negative emotions of our clients, but it's a cliche to talk about negative experience nowadays. And don't forget that 75%, I mean, I don't want to claim the numbers, but I think it was like 75 or 76% of the Americans nowadays in 2022 experience or experience at some point the uh, depression, anxiety, and uh, all these emotions. And when you Yo, what is up? This is Christian D. Evans, host of Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. And I just want to share with you real quick, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It really means a lot to us, but also our community. And you know, if you like this, please share this with your friend, your family, a colleague, someone that you don't even like. Definitely share that with them. And then also leave a comment and a review for us. We really do appreciate that. And show our guests some love if you find that this episode really resonates with you. Secondly, also want to share with you some really awesome news. I've had the Fortune Opportunity Network and have incredible guest, eight and nine figure entrepreneurs, CEOs and founders on our podcast. And what we've done is we've actually been able to open up a be uncommon if you can mastermind where we're able to open up the door for so many of you, right? Those that are six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs that are scaling, that are struggling, that really want to level up their game, their business, their life, whatever it is. I'm able to open up that door for you with this Be Uncommon If You Can Mastermind. Now, we're only taking a select few of individuals. So what you'll need to do is go to christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. And the link is actually in the description as well. Guys, that is christiandevans.com forward slash mastermind dash now. We're only opening this up for a select few of individuals that really want to level up their game. You have a conversation with me. See if you qualify. And guys, enjoy the episode. And remember... Be uncommon if you can. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans, and we have the content queen on today. We're going to be talking about her strategy, which is the content DNA strategy, what the heck that is, why that is important. And if you're not doing it and implementing this in your business, you are losing out millions, potentially billions of dollars. And I am so excited about diving into some incredible content. She's a copywriter for entrepreneur, creator of the content DNA strategy, content marketer, as well as she helps entrepreneurs take full control of content marketing for their companies. She has worked with companies, including AppSmart, Microsoft, Adobe, Revenue Hero, ProLendly, Hub Growth Coaching, 4 Over 4, Virtue Health, and so much more. Please welcome co-founder, CEO, Margo White. How are you doing today, Margo? Um, oh, uh, Chris, I'm doing great because you just referred me as, you know, uh, content queen or something. I'll take that. And thank you very much. <laughs> well, hey, I'm very excited because I do see you're obviously a, a world changer in this regard. And I think this is really awesome because, you know, that 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 specific terminology is being thrown around everywhere. Content, creating content. But I think there's always like there's there's such a strategic way to produce the best content to produce the best result out of that. And obviously, if you could just kind of help me walk me through your process, what mm -hmm. that is exactly, how that works, and how are you really able to really squeeze the lemon in your in building that content uh, strategically? Well, actually, before I dive deep into copywriting, uh, I mean, uh, I've been in investment business my entire life. It was like financial investment insurance 
terms. And I soon figured out uh, that everything that I created, although investment business, it's very specific and insurance is very specific, but everything rolls around content and how you phrase things. And uh, whether it's a presentation that you make for your company or you're making, I don't know, or, or you're creating scripts or you're creating content for the website. Uh, one of the reasons why we were so successful in this field, I mean, we, our team, is because I was always in content I was taking personally. And although we, I mean, I didn't create it always by myself, but I was in charge of the strategy. And I soon figured out that this is what the entrepreneurs should do, be in charge of the strategy. And when I went as a full-time copywriter for certain reasons that happened in my life, like I had relocation and sold all my companies and all the stuff, got married, got divorced. So, I mean, it, it was like uh, personal reasons combined with professional. And I figured out that entrepreneurs spend very little time creating the content strategy and they outsource it to $15 an hour copywriter and expect them to uh, establish a dialogue with their prospects and customers as, well, as if they were like with million and millions of dollars of attitude. And this is physically impossible. You need to get involved. You need to get in charge of your strategy. That's how I started dive deep into this and created content DNA for entrepreneurs only. So just heads up, today we're going to talk about copywriting from entrepreneurship point of view. So those of you who are listening right now thinking, oh my God, this is just another episode talking about this headlines and all the stuff. No, we're going to talk about your role in creating copy and establishing dialogue with your prospects and customers. That's awesome. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's dive into it and kind of walk us through uh, myself and the audience of what that looks like. Well, the first thing that um, I mentioned in the first, uh, you know, meetings and everything with, with the prospects um, is that entrepreneurs think too much about what their, what message do they want to deliver to their prospects. And they think very little about the uh, ideas and thoughts that are already rolling in their heads. Which brings us to studying your audience first. And <laughs> here comes the question like, uh, you know, the chicken and egg situation. Uh, if you have already established company, how do you know that your prospects that you're targeting are correct for your product? Well, uh, it all is connected, your prospects are connected to your identity. So you start with you, you know? So, uh, I mean, content DNA uh, brings several elements together. You and your brand, I mean, your company, your ideal prospect and your product. And then after you defined everything, and these are all connected and that's why it's DNA, then comes your content strategy that is based on all of that. And we're, I mean, 60 minutes is not enough to cover all of that, but I will be able to give you some tips to think about, uh, to start with, and some questions you can ask about your business that will actually be a game changer uh, now and in the future. 
Awesome. Awesome. So what does that look like a little bit? Kind of share with us, you know, when, when you're walking through that clientele and obviously really diving deep into that. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, you need to um, answer several questions. One is, is your client living in a friendly or hostile universe? And that brings us all the way back to Einstein. And this is the core question because the whole content strategy and the strategy of your company should be dependent on that. A huge mistake most entrepreneurs make. They, uh, you know, uh, sell in a friendly style to a hostile uh, audience and do vice versa. So if you have... Uh, the audience that is competitive, that's it, that is aggressive, that is this and that, and you know that works perfectly with them, then you have to shape your entire content strategy around this. You shouldn't be soft. Your content, first thing that you need to know, your content has to be consistent. And this is one thing that we observe at Fortune 500 companies that are successful over the years and uh, multi-million dollar companies, you know, their content is always consistent. They don't jump from here and there. Just because their competitor did something, they don't jump you know, and, and do the same thing. They know exactly what their content strategy is, like a skeleton. They've built it up and they stick to it. Whatever happens, it's their style. And um, that's, that's the first thing that you have to ask yourself, friendly or hostile. The second thing that I recommend my clients do, like a homework, is not to build their customer avatar or ideal client profile, but build the anti-avatar. Anti-avatar is the person that you would never cooperate with, even if they would pay you decent money. So imagine a person that can afford your product, but for some reason, you're uh, rejecting them. So what are the reasons? Ask yourself that. What is the type of person? Because we're always, we might not know what we want or what our business wants, but we would know what our business doesn't want. And the reason why it's very important to list these this, uh, qualities is your contents should resonate with that your content should reflect that. And what happens to your prospects is they, they start feeling themselves part of the tribe because you reject someone, even if they can pay you decent money, okay? So if you accept me as your client and you state that, I already know that I have qualities that unite me and you. And that creates you know, certain emotion, emotional attachment to the company, that you're not just, you know, obviously, of course, quote, falling in love with anyone who enters the room, but you have your criteria. And the more, um, you know, the more you have this listed and the more your content reflects that, this is something that you guys can start doing today. This will bring you an enormous amount of, uh, you know, this uh, connection with your actual prospect. 
I really like that because I've heard of the power of inverse thinking tremendously, where it's like, okay, you got to think not a matter of what the solution is, but what the solution is not. And therefore it is able to say, okay, do the reverse of that. And then say, this is this, uh, this is kind of what you're looking for. Uh, and honestly, I've never heard that definitely in, in, you know, I've heard about it in like, you know, decision-making and process thinking, but I've never heard of it in like, you know, really dialing in your avatar. Now let's talk a little bit about dialing in the avatar. Cause we, again, that's another, another concept that's being thrown around definitely in the marketing industry and the digital marketing industry quite a bit. However, though, I think there's a lot of times like seven, eight feet deep kind of content regarding really dialing that avatar because I consult uh, and obviously you, you consult with a lot of, you know, billion dollar companies. I consult with a lot of million, you know, multi-million dollar companies. And what I've noticed is that there's some of them that produce really good results for a lot of different clients, but there's maybe out of those clients that are giving them money, there's always one or two or maybe three of those that are really, really high leverage clients. What I mean by that is, okay, they pay the most and then there is the the least amount of operational drag on the back end. And I like to, and, and of course, a lot of times what happens is then they dial in that avatar, that clientele, and 100% and then get rid of everybody else. So that may be one, two, three individuals that's it. And then that's how they scale, scale to an eight-figure business and so forth and so on. But I'd like to ask you, what is your experience in gathering the data to help that business really dial in their avatar and their client even deeper so that they just really scale and go from there? Yeah, you know, when I entered this market, I mean, I checked uh, all, all kinds of this uh, forms and lists. And of course, I tried to... Um, use them but i soon figured out that they're very static i mean they're they're providing they're collecting the data that is actually relevant to the selling process like for example if we're talking about uh, the age gap right and we're talking about the age like 24 to 35 or 18 to 40 that that's usually the age gap well i can tell you that there is a huge difference between 18 and 20 20 and 25 25 and 30. And when you're giving me the age gap of 18 to 40, uh, you're giving me the uh, difference between uh, the teenage, you know, uh, person who is absolutely, you know, in a different universe and someone in their midlife crisis. And this is absolutely irrelevant. So the first thing that I would uh, actually think about is uh, the age and thing uh, and uh, issues associated with this age something that can affect people in different in different times of their you know life but don't look at the age as the number look at the age from the uh, from the stats standpoint of view uh, people write those numbers and they never go online they never read reports that are actually for free, you know, made by companies, made by Deloitte, made by PwC and others to reflect what is going on in this age gap. So, I mean, uh, when you're putting these numbers, I mean, I soon realized that these numbers, they do not help me to create content, to create sales funnel, to create this and that. So I put that aside and created my um, criteria based on emotions. Like for example, there is three states of the customer avatar that I'm interested in. I start with their inner minimum, which is the uh, 
state of homeostasis. To those of you who don't know, homeostasis is a state of stability. When other person doesn't want to change anything, they feel good even if they feel bad, but they don't want to uh, change anything. That's the state that we all evolutionary, I mean, we need that state, okay? We're pursuing it. And when we are in our inner minimum, we don't buy new products. We don't change a thing in our lives because we're not interested in that. Even if we know that something that we're using is not the best. Now, uh, the state that actually makes us change is the inner breakdown. And I want to know what is the state, what I should say uh, to my prospect uh, in order to put them in the state of inner breakdown. It shouldn't be something devastating, but it should be something that will make them realize that it's like they're living in matrix and it all falls down. And suddenly they realize that whatever they've been doing, uh, and I see the smile on your face. So, you know, you love ma matrix, right? Everybody does <laughs> in our world, I think. And every, every entrepreneur, I worked with does so um it's like uh showing them that the world that they've been living in is not uh you know it, it it's actually uh bringing them down the waterfall and they're going to fall you know off the cliff or something now inner maximum is the third state that i design which is the uh, maximum outcome the positive outcome that their mind can um except which is the promises that the companies should make to their prospects and clients. One of the things that I observe is companies usually make too many promises and it becomes unrealistic. Well, you should know exactly what is inner maximum of your, um, of your customer avatar, of your ideal client, and do not go beyond that because you start sound unrealistic, although you might be absolutely true. I mean, th these statements might be true, but you need to know what is going on in their heads. So coming back to your question now, when, when you know this whole thing, I'm interested in their inner minimum, inner breakdown, inner maximum, and their starting point. How are they coming to me? What are the thoughts rolling into their heads? So this is my version of the customer avatar that is 100% used by the companies and their marketing departments. That makes perfect sense. And it's actually very interesting that you're saying that because see, um, there's so much validity to that because I do see a lot of companies that are not really leveraging this. So if you could, like, let's say for example, a business owner is listening to us right now, what are certain steps forward to get them to start thinking that way, but also start implementing it in their business? What would you suggest? I would suggest starting with yourself uh, and figure out what is your role? Uh, because if, I mean, it's much easier for you to answer the questions about yourself before you move to your customer avatar, before you move to your uh, product, right? So you need to answer to yourself uh, whether you, your business model is friendly or hostile? What is your inner minimum? Uh, what is your starting point right now as you're starting and going forward? What is your anti-avatar? Because that makes so much sense. Uh, the product development, I mean, how does your prospect feel? 
how does it make them feel at, in the moment of purchase, after the purchase, when they don't use their, your product? And one of the most important questions that you need to answer to yourself is just imagine that you meet someone at the party and they say that they're using your product. You don't know anything about them. What would you say about them? And companies that accomplish to do that, like for example, Rolls-Royce. Chris, what can you tell me about the person? You don't know their age. You don't know their, uh, you know, um, whether they are men or women. Uh, you don't know anything about them. But at the same time, I'm telling you they're driving Rolls-Royce. Tell me their, your reaction. Who are they? So just uh, stereotypical, uh, what I would say is probably they're, they're very okay. wealthy individual, very wealthy individual, and mm. uh, they would most likely, um, you know, like the finer things of life. So they obviously, I know that's a half a million, you know, almost a million dollar vehicle. Um, mm. And then as well as they're, they're probably older, um, you know, 40, a little older than that. Exactly. Um, and I, that, that would be kind of what I would assume. Mm. Do you know that I read uh, the ad published about Rolls Royce by, by um, Dale, Dale Carnegie? No, it wasn't Dale Carnegie. Okay, I will remember. So anyway, I was uh, reading that and it was actually describing how you will feel when you will sit in this car, how you will touch it, how what you will do. So I would say about uh, people that drive Rolls Royce, they're more like nostalgic and they, uh, you know, kind of old school people. But we're talking about the owner of the car. We don't even know who this person is. And this is the ultimate goal of every company. Like uh, I would give you another example, Harley Davidson. You know, it's a certain type of person. Uh, when they tell me uh, that it's like, you know, someone's driving Harley Davidson, personally, I've been part of uh, the, you know, not part of, but I've been involved in the Harley Club in California. And I can tell you that uh, they associate, I mean, I associate Harley's, um, uh, you know, driver uh, to a lawyer or uh, the financial manager. So, because I've seen a lot of them. So uh, bottom line, what I'm trying to say is that although it, I mean, you have to create something like this in, at a minimum scale for your company, even if you're a startup, you should define what you want it to look like. Because if you're building a multi-million or multi-billion dollar company, if you don't have this defined at the very beginning, um, it's, it will be very difficult. I mean, lots of people think, okay, now I'll get to $10 million and then I take care of my content strategy. They do not get to $10 million. And people who subconsciously or consciously apply these strategies to their business, they grow really easily and they don't even know why. Their competitors just, you know, drop off and people just follow them, investors follow them, because there's an element of, as I call it, eternity. This is, these are all elements of eternity, of the brands that are built to last for ages. 
Well, and you're uh, what I love about what you're saying is because see, I see so many people and uh, so many businesses that are stuck at the million, two million. And like you said, it is a misconception is that that thought process in which, hey, once I get to 10 million, then I will, right? That concept and uh, dialing in that avatar, dialing in that, you know, uh, content strategy and so forth. And like you said, this is a prerequisite before you actually achieve the 10 million and that long lasting brand, like you mentioned. Um, So now let's kind of walk through this a little bit, okay? Because I did, you brought something up before we got on this podcast that I found so interesting. And I think this corresponds directly with it. Some people, Mm -hmm. they don't understand that if you do not dial in that avatar, that you actually lose the opportunity to raise more funds for your investors and really scale that company. And i like for you to see what is that correlation? How are you seeing that kind of established? And what do you think large companies are getting wrong? Well, first of all, if you're uh, thinking about fundraising or scaling, I mean, getting in front of the investors, you should know that they're pitched the same way every single time uh, for the past 20 years. And uh, usually it's all about the product and uh, the presentations that I get, for example, before I work on them. They're like talking about the audience uh, very briefly. And once again, we're talking there about the age gap, like 18 to 40 or something like that. And the tendency that uh, I've seen in, you know, in this business for the past couple of years is that investors, they care less about how innovative the product is and how it can be scaled in the future. They're interested more in who is the audience and actually how well do you know them? Um, and, uh, of course, this is not the typical, uh, section that is included in the investors, uh, packages, right? In the presentation, usually this is the part that is skipped, but when you dive deep into this customer avatar and you actually explain to your investors that, you know, these people on emotional level, and you tell them the same words that I'm talking to, I mean, I'm telling you right now, right? In this manner, even if you don't actually, you know, uh, go into so uh, into the details and all the stuff, you just show them that you know your audience on emotional level, you know their inner minimum, inner breakdown, inner maximum, their starting point. And you talk like that, you're already two heads, five heads above all your competitors. They're just giving them this 18 to 40 uh, and men or women or whatever, you know, stats. And this is something new on this market. I mean, massively, People don't do that. So take advantage of this. Try to speak about the emotional side of uh, the, you know, of your customer avatar and their connection to your product. Now, I know that it's very difficult to connect SaaS product to, I mean, to your audience emotionally, but this is where you should include your factor as well. Why you? What is your emotion right? What is your uh, driver that will allow you to overcome any obstacle? That's another thing that investors want to know. They don't want to know how qualified you are. They want to know uh, how big is your gut and how far are you willing to go to make this happen? Not whether you're able to do that or not, but whether you will do that or not. Maybe you're not able to, but you will figure it out. 
So your content should reflect that, like that you have a very strong purpose, just like your customer avatar and your connection to that customer avatar because you have emotional connection to them and they will buy from you your company because you understand them better than everybody else. And that's when investors stop questioning your competitors. They stop questioning your product because they know that you will build the content and connection and the words around, uh, and that will be very strong for the market. And like I love to say, and that's actually said it on, on my website, before prospects experience your high ticket product or service, they're paying for your words. So you have to make your product look, feel, and sound expensive on words. Do that through connection to your customer avatar and show your investors that. So let's walk through that. Kind of give me an example of a few clients, and and I probably you, you probably won't be able to you know share their names, but kind of give us an example of what that looks like in in a um, you know kind of a success story or a case study. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first of all, every single client has a success story. Okay, we have uh, before and after when we have this content DNA system created for them, either uh, the uh, cost for acquisition drops or uh, or there are just more clients coming into the business right and a lot of time the uh, a lot of times that what I discover is the company doesn't know about their customer avatar even the large one even the one that works uh, with uh, people but at some point they start experience uh, difficulties and you know uh, they're not as uh, you know competitive on the market as they used to be, and they start questioning their marketing strategy, their sales funnel, and this and that. Now this happens usually in a crisis, and now we're experiencing some sort of crisis on the U.S. market, right? So everybody starts questioning their strategy and their um, you know their funnels, their everything that they're saying. Now. Um, what usually uh, what happens is uh, companies take broader uh, audience as their customer avatar, and I just narrow down the niche. And I come to the CEO and I say that, okay, now we're not targeting like billion people like planet Earth, right? Seven billion people or eight now. Uh, we're targeting, I mean, your company is capable of handling thousand clients at once. So we're targeting like that number. Okay. And I bring them the stats. Now, this is the first thing that usually companies are, you know, resistant because it's like, uh, they're tend to, you know, fish with a net. Okay. And they don't realize that they're fishing in a red ocean already blue ocean, red ocean, your audience is aware of that. And um, I mean, the only way to, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to uh, fish in the blue ocean is to narrow down the niche. You have to uh, get rid of certain people, okay? Uh, get rid of certain idea of getting those people because most companies can't even get them, but they're afraid of narrowing down the niche and saying that, okay, my product is for this and that. So the first thing that I do with most of my clients is, um, once again, 
we're just making it squeezed okay the second thing is uh when working with customer avatars uh if the previous customer avatar was not correctly designed and the target uh you know and, and the campaign and everything was built around that we're not automatically switching to the new one it's not the one day work okay so it's uh, the transition process is very slow and we're taking certain uh qualities of the customer avatar that they had initially and we're choosing the new audience including this um uh, you know qu certain qualities we try to fit a tweak campaign instead of changing it uh completely and then slowly but surely over time like over time when i'm talking about that it's over time like one to three years you're transitioning from your previous wrong customer avatar into the new one okay so those of you who are listening if you have business uh, running for the last five to ten years and uh, accidentally you're in the crisis right now and your market is like you know you have too many competitors coming in there's no connection with your prospects uh they're choosing your competitors because they have lower price or better conditions you cannot change your customer avatar instantly you should take the qualities certain qualities uh, with some consultant from the outside because you will not be able to see the problem from the inside and design the new avatar with the qualities of your previous one so that's the second thing the third thing um the impact of the customer avatar is that your whole business model may change uh just because you are chasing a certain type of person Right. So when we uh, when we dive deep and we figure out who what is the purpose of our customer avatar and ideal client uh, and what why why are they using the product and how do they feel when they're not even using the product how do they feel before they bought your product so it's uh it changes the entire model of the organizations people start thinking about okay i want my prospects and I'm, i want my clients feel good about cooperating with me Although I'm a accounting firm, for example, but I want them to feel as if they're whole, as if they just bought a Prada purse. Okay, do you feel good with Prada purse, even if they're you're not holding it? Yes, because you could afford it, and if you could buy yourself some Birkin, then you're in on the top of the world. I mean, you wouldn't get it, obviously. I will, but. <laughs> Anyway, female audience will get it. So anyway, uh, they you uh, they start to make their prospects feel good about them, right? So uh, when I say that the whole business model changes, there are involved certain service uh, elements that remind people that okay, you're in the best place ever, and we're like you know product purse that you can think about and already feel good even without actually communicating with us that you chose this company and we actually care about you and the uh, the thing that i would like to mention also there is a certain purpose that uh, your uh, audience cooperates i mean the certain reason uh, that your audience cooperates with you and it's not obvious for a lot of 
uh, entrepreneurs. They think that it's their features and benefits. Sometimes it's not that, it's emotions. And what I, what I mean is, for example, for insurance, it's a good night's sleep because you don't have to wake up in the middle of the night thinking that you're not secured, you're not insured, uh, that something might happen to your budget, someone might get sick and you wouldn't be able to cover it, et cetera, et cetera. And companies that cover that, what, what does the good night's sleep have, I mean, common with insurance? It's not a mattress, right? But if you talk about that that manner and you just hit the 10, you will be able to get the clients and they will cooperate with you, not your competitor. You brought such incredible, incredible value, Margaret, and I really appreciate it because see, one of the things, just to reiterate, I just want to make sure I'm on, on pace with this here. So naturally you want to niche down. And so let's say, for example, you're in the health industry. Okay, wonderful. We're going to niche down even further. Out of all the health industries, we're going to go directly to marketing, directly to doctors. Even within the doctor range, we're going to go directly to dentists. Okay, so now out of all the orthopedics, heart surgeon, all that stuff, we're going to focus on dentists. And dentists that are private practice. So then even niching down even, spur, uh, uh, even further, now the, we have dentists that are private practice that are, have a revenue of 250000 that want to scale to two, $3 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we know that their struggle is, okay, we're not bringing in mass amount of clients. Uh, we struggle with the marketing side of things. Okay. And then you have an ad agency that comes along and says, hey, create a funnel, create a marketing message. Hey, are you a dentist that is you know, struggling with $250,000 that want to scale to $2 million and you struggle with a marketing message, you struggle with you know, lifetime value of a customer, you struggle with boom, 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 pain, pain, pain. You struggle with maybe even uh, the, the, the insurance, right? Uh, and whatever. So you hit the pain, the motion. And now they're like, wow, they're talking directly to me. I feel like because it's exactly the pain, the frustration I'm going through. We also know that majority of individuals at that age are probably around 30 to, you know, probably around 28 to around 35 years old, right? They just started building, they just got out of college and so forth and and started building their, their base. And so now they're really looking to scale. So correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of what you mean in regarding to niching down, because now what happens as a marketing agency, I'm not sitting here, oh, I have an e-commerce client, oh, I have a, uh, a dentist client, oh, I have Billy Bob, right? I have a very targeted niche, and then mm-hmm. I have – and then, of course, now throughout the whole United States, Canada, all different countries, I can target directly those individuals. This is it, and that's my niche. And on the back end, of course, I can upsell them with other natural uh, you know, transformational products and services that I can add on to it. Um, and then as well as, you know, upsell them, increasing the price and so forth. So is that kind of what you're saying in regards to like really dialing that in, understanding that avatar such a level? Um, and then as well as my next question is, with larger companies that have multiple different products, I'm talking, you're, you know, you're, you're talking nine figure businesses, okay? Mm-hmm. They have numerous times, they have businesses underneath a business, right? Is that where, okay, hey, at this structurally, now it's the COO, and the CMO has control over this product line and they directly talk directly to that uh, avatar. Uh, even within like, obviously Microsoft, they have Xbox, they have you know uh, Windows, they have all these different products and businesses even underneath that, um, that echelon of, of a monster company. Mm. 
Well, actually, I will answer your second question first. Uh, you can tell uh, within large corporations and even luxury brands that uh, their audience is more or less similar. It's just they define, I mean, uh, they have similar qualities. And I have never, I have yet to see the, the large corporation that targets totally different audiences. It's usually they, once again, they have the skeleton buildup and then uh, the muscles are different. Uh, so, you know, hairstyle is different. I, I'm talking, of course, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just a broad example, but the skeleton is the same. So uh, you have to take a look at every single large corporation, you will figure that out. I've I started to uh, dive deep into the luxury brands, like uh, French luxury brands, for example. I was interested whether how they can be like two two brands with different uh, price range and how they can actually attract the same audience. And yes, they can. It's just, uh, it, you know, um, internally it's the same audience. It's just that they don't make enough money as their second, um, you know, uh, avatar. So anyway, um, regarding the first uh, question uh, about, uh, uh, you know, um, and going down the rabbit hole, as I <laughs> as I uh, love to refer. It. So um, you have to you you actually mentioned it correctly that you know you go from broad healthcare to uh, you know to hospitals to the dentists and etc cetera, etc. Cetera, but you mentioned the numbers only. I would go as deep as uh, you know certain people who experience certain things because uh, you know if you approach in 2022 if you approach people by the numbers then you're no different from your competitors everybody does that. Uh, now uh, if you approach them by uh, what they experience uh, what what is their frustration and uh, here you have to be very careful because we have to know about the frustration and uh, negative emotions of our clients, but it's a cliche to talk about negative experience nowadays. And don't forget that 75%, I mean, I don't want to claim the numbers, but I think it was like 75 or 76% of the Americans nowadays in 2022 experience or experience at some point the uh, depression, anxiety, and uh, all these emotions. And when you're uh, selling, your product to these people, you have to know that ADD is very common nowadays and you, you have to shape the content around that, that people are not um, capable of focusing on your product and service for, for a while, but they will focus on something when you talk about their feelings and emotions because uh, that, that's instantly capturing the attention. And that's exactly why I was talking about the good night's sleep and stuff, because it uh, actually recalls uh, certain emotions of people who are, you know, like this, maybe they don't have a bad sleep at night, but they have this anxiety inside of them and they can't get, you know, can't rest their mind, right? So you need to figure out what is their, moment that you can solve that's it that's it and you're a multimillionaire. you you're a billionaire i'm telling you just figure out this moment uh and once again you have to go down with numbers this is stage one but stage two you need to understand what anxiety are you solving not the problem 
because problems, I mean, uh, we all have a lot of problems, Chris, that uh, we, some of them will have by the, uh, till the end of our lives and it doesn't bother us, but anxiety bothers us. So it's like this moment, you know, I cannot explain it better. You know? It's just really that that's the way they experience. What is that moment that you're, you know, fixing for your prospect and that will that will actually be if you will make it the basis of of your entire campaign that will bring you a lot of money awesome awesome and, and you're calling me out and i appreciate it because i think that is actually really really remarkable insight because like you said it's really diving to that next eight nine ten feet deep and a lot of companies a lot of you know uh, marketers and like you said as well copywriters they just don't um and obviously you want to take ownership as an entrepreneurial so that's that's awesome uh margo i really just appreciate the massive insight that we discussed today just talking about copywriting the content strategy what that is why that's so important really dive deep into the avatar and, and really, you know, the structurally kind of what that looks like uh, on that emotional aspect. Now, how can our audience reach out to you, be part of your community and, and get, you know, uh, just be part of what you've got going on? Well, actually, I'm launching the Content Girl podcast uh, next week, so I will be happy if you will join me in and listen because I'm I'm a huge listener of your show. And uh, secondly is uh, the content. Um, it's it's new uh, website. My apologies, but it's uh, contentdnagroup.com, which uh, we launched recently. Is where you can download the uh, content DNA file. And by the way, if you allow me to, I will send it over. Uh, send you over the file. You can you will be able to add it to this episode, so people, your listeners, will be able to download it as well and uh, go over every single step. Actually, uh, I mean, uh, there is. Uh, these are just statements that we covered. Some of them we covered on this episode. Some of them are not covered yet. But if you will just uh, try to ask yourself certain questions, don't go hard on yourself, okay? If you, uh, I mean, I'm talking to the listeners, right? Uh, so don't go hard on yourself in case you, if you will find that, the, you know, there's some things that you missed or you've done wrong and et cetera, et cetera. I can tell you that Fortune 500 companies are doing the same mistakes. And, and they have this marketing departments and they have this copywriting departments and all the stuff. No one asks themselves. I mean, it's very, easy to get lost when you have an operating business but the point here is I mean what are you doing after you learn that right what is your step one so uh, you'll be able to do that and trust me if you just google Margo White copywriting you will be able to find me somewhere online especially on LinkedIn I'm active with my live streams so thank you very much <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. And guys, those links will be in the description below. So make sure you just click on it and make sure you just consume it. And just like Margo was saying, you know, even Fortune 500 companies mess this up. And obviously it's it's okay, but the reality is taking action and doing something about it. So uh, again, I just appreciate the insight. Um, is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience before we let you go? Yeah. Um, well, I would, uh, I would like to say that, uh, I would like to give heads up to every single entrepreneur in 2022 because it's very complicated to stand out from the crowd nowadays. And if you are able to do that, that you're a great person and keep trying and keep doing that, just remind yourself one thing. In 2010, the only bad content was the one that didn't exist. In 2014, the one that wasn't part of the sales funnel 
you know, click funnels. We remember that, right? This period. So it, it should have been part of the sales funnel. In 2022, it's enough to say what everybody else is saying to have bad content, to be ignored. So uh, you have to filter it. Uh, with, I mean, you have to put this filter uh, on every piece of content. How consistent is your content? How uh, it reflects your values? Is it the same thing that your competitors are saying? And if you answer these three questions just with every piece of content that comes out on, on behalf of your name of your, or your brand, then you will already improve it uh, just starting today. Okay, you don't need groundbreaking things, just tweaks. So that's basically it. And uh, please get involved, dear entrepreneurs. We need you in developing the content strategy because that's how you get results from your content strategy. So get involved, um, be effective in that, pay attention and be, you know, <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. And that is the content queen herself, Margot White. And guys, that is Journey with Christian Devon's podcast. Until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. We thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you feel and you know that this was valuable to you, please show some love to our amazing guest by liking this, by commenting on this, by making sure that you do a nice five-star review and just show some love to our guest. That'd be really awesome. Also, make sure you share this with a friend, a family, a colleague, someone that you believe would bring value to their life right now. Uh, and guys, we just wanna say thank you again for just being part of our community. If you wanna have more resources, don't be afraid, go to christiandevans.com. You can actually schedule a phone call with me or you can send me an email at christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. That's christian.evans at beuncommonifyoucan.com. Always love to hear some feedback and let me know what is the number one or two things that you are struggling in your business and your life and we'll make sure we have those conversations. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Davis podcast. And until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Cheers.